It was on a beach in the park one spring day, perhaps six weeks or so later, that Casper first showed me any real affection. He was sitting up on the park bench beside me, basking in the sunshine, when without even thinking about it, I found myself stroking his head. He looked up at me to let me know it was all fine by him, and then he smiled. I promise you, he smiled. I felt his head pushing into my hand, felt the purr coming over him. His tail was trembling with pleasure. I know it sounds silly, but at that moment I felt so happy that I was almost purring. I looked into his eyes and for the first time I could tell that he liked me, that at last he thought of me as his friend. I felt honoured. The next morning I met the Countess hurrying through the lobby. Ah, Johnny Trot, she said, as I opened the front door for her. I am late for my rehearsals. All my life I am late. You will walk with me? I have an important thing I must say to you. It was raining, so I held the umbrella for her as we crossed the strand and walked up into Covent Garden, past the barrel organ with the monkey who turned the handle and the blind soldier playing his accordion by the fruit stalls. She stopped to pat the coalman's horse, who was standing between the shafts of his cart, hanging his head in the rain, and looking thoroughly miserable and soaked through. The countess berated the coalman soundly when he came out of the pub, and told him in no uncertain terms that he should put a blanket on the horse in such weather, that in Russia they treated horses properly. The coalman was speechless, too stunned and shamefaced to argue. We walked on. I have much to thank you for, Johnny Trot. Prince Casper is very happy cat, happy to be in London. And when Casper is happy, I am happy. I sing better when I know Casper is happy. This is true, you know. How I know he's happy? Because he smiled at me this morning. And he does this every so often. So I know you must look after him very well. I was about to tell her all about Casper smiling at me the day before, but she was in full flow, and I dared, dared interrupt her. Because you make us both so happy, Johnny Trot, I wish to invite you to the magic flute, to the opera at Covent Garden. Tomorrow evening, it is the first night. You will come? I was so taken aback, I did not even think to thank her. Me, I said. Why not? You will sit in the best seat, dress circle. You are a guest of the Queen of the Night. I'd really like to, Countess, honest I would, I told her. But I can't, I'll be working. I don't finish till ten o'clock. Don't worry, I fixed this already with the manager at the hotel, she said with an imperious wave of her hand. I told him you do not work tomorrow, you have the whole day off. But you've got to be smart to go to the opera, Countess, I said. I've seen all the grand gentlemen and the ladies. I haven't got the right clothes. I'll fix that too, Johnny Trot. You'll see. I fix everything. And so she did. She hired me a suit to wear. The first proper suit I ever put on. I could hardly believe it when I found myself the next day standing in front of her in the sitting room, all washed and brushed up while she adjusted my tie and collar. I remember that I was looking up into her face and all I wanted to do was to call her Mother to hug her tight and never let her go. She frowned. Why do you look at me like this, Johnny Trot, she said. I think maybe you have tears in your eyes. I like this. You are a boy with feelings, so you will be a man with big heart. 
Mozart had a big heart, and he was the greatest man who ever lived. A little mad, maybe, but I think you have to be a little mad to be great. I love this man. I tell you something, Johnny Todd. I have no son, no husband. I have only Prince Caspar and my music. But if I had a husband, it would be Mozart. And I say something else. If I have a son, I want him to be like you. This is the truth. Now, Johnny Todd, I take your arm and you walk with me to Covent Garden. Be proud, Johnny Todd. Walk like Caspar. Walk tall. Like you are a prince. Like you are my son. This time, when Mr. Freddy saw me coming and raised his top hat, there was no mockery in it whatsoever. Only open-mouthed astonishment. The Savoy lobby felt silent in utter disbelief as we strode through. I felt about ten feet tall, and that's how I continued to feel as we made our way up through the Covent Garden Market to the Royal Opera House. I should like to be able to say that I remember every moment, every note of my evening at the opera, but I don't. It passed in a blur of wonderment. I do, however, have a very clear memory of Countess Kadinsky as she made her first entrance as Queen of the Night. The rapturous plore applause after every arrival she sang and the standing ovation for her at the final curtain. In fact, I was so proud of her, so carried away by it all, that I stuck my fingers in my mouth and gave her the loudest, longest whistle I could, ignoring the disapproving looks all around me. I knew full well it was not the thing to do, but I just didn't care. I whistled again and again. I stood and clapped until my hands hurt, till the curtain closed for the last time. As we walked back to the hotel together, later that night, I was so laden down with all the flowers she had been given that I could scarcely see in front of me. Caspar was waiting for us when we got back, yowling around us until I gave him some milk. The Countess went straight to the piano, her hat still on, and began to play softly. This I play every night after the opera, before I go to bed. It is a lullaby, Mo Mozart. It is beautiful. Prince Caspar, he likes it very much. And as if to prove it, Caspar leapt onto the piano to listen. Johnny Trot, she went on, still playing. Do you think they liked how I sang tonight? You must tell the truth. Of course, I told her. Didn't you hear them? And you, Johnny Trot, do you like how I sing? I never heard anything so wonderful, I said, and I meant it. She stopped playing and beckoned me over to the piano. She reached up and brushed the hair from my forehead. You go now, Johnny Todd. It is very late. The next day, Mr. Freddy and all the others on the servants' corridor teased me mercilessly. Who's a lardy da lad then? They called after me. Lardy da. Whatever they said, I didn't mind. I was on cloud nine. During our walk in the park that morning, I told Caspar all about my night at the opera, how everyone there had taken the Countess to their hearts, how she would be the talk of London, that he should be very proud of her. When no one was around, I even whistled him a snatch of a tune I'd remembered, but this did not seem to impress him at all. When we came back through the front door half an hour later, I was expecting more of the same banter, more ribbing. I was even looking forward to it. As I came through the lobby, I noticed everyone was behaving very strangely, that they were averting their eyes, obviously not wanting to talk to me. I thought at first they must be angry with me. Mr. Freddy came over to me then and took me gently to one side to offer me some advice. I thought something he often did when I'd done something wrong. 
Best get this over with, Johnny, he began. It's the Countess. She was knocked down an hour or so ago, just outside in the street. An omnibus, it was. They say she walked straight out in front of it. Couldn't have done it, seen it coming. We was all very fond of her. You, most of all. Almost like a mother she was to you, wasn't she? I'm sorry, Johnny. She was a good lady, a fine lady, and a kind one too.